My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, my friends, Phil the Thrill made his 28th appearance at the Waste Management Phoenix Open this weekend. Another top 20. And he did so with not one, not two, but three Callaway Epic Woods in his bag, a driver in two fairway woods, called Callaway's most intriguing driver in two decades. The Epic was in all the bags. We had Daniel Berger playing the Epic, Emiliano Grillo playing the, the Epic, Ali Schneiderjans playing the Epic, all guys that completely bombed the ball. The key to Epic is its jailbreak technology. Two titanium rods inside the club head that change the way the driver crown, sole, and face behave at impact. That translates to big league ball speed gains all over the face. Don't take my word for it, my friends. Oh, no. Learn more at CallawayGolf.com. Get out to your local golf shop. Test one of those babies out today. And do not sleep on the red-hot fairway woods. Henrik Stenson, that three-wood in his bag right now. And that's the perfect way to walk us into the shack House, how you doing today? Jeff, it is warm here in the District of Columbia, the nation's capital. It's a real tease. I'm oh, telling nice. you, it feels like spring could be in the air. But, you know, I look at the calendar, it says it's February the 7th. So I'm a little, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm stealing days here. I'm biding yeah. my time. We got to get to mid-March here in the DMV before I can break out my own epic and go so crazy. It's still collecting dust. That's just so sad. Wow. Rude. That's... It's not collecting dust. I have it in a very cherished and okay. prized position. It's sitting up high. It gives me something to look to. I genuflect every every evening when I walk in the door from a hard day's work. One knee for the epic. 
Well, you have something in common with Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods staring at their clubs right now, wondering when they're going to play again. What a wacky <laughs> time in the game. So you have that. You got that going for you. So let's um, go ahead and talk about the state of Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Rory, we know he's just he'll be back when he'll be back. But Tiger, wow. Uh, boy, that was a downer. So did you stay up for the late night uh, golf action? I did last Wednesday evening, 11, yeah. 15 p.m. And I actually enjoyed quite a bit the um, treatment by Golf Channel. They gave us a full, uh, at least 45 minutes to an hour's worth of um, preview. We watched them on the, we watched Tiger on the range. Yeah. Um, they did a really nice job of uh, interfacing with the Euro commentators kind of on the ground in Dubai and uh, really set the stage um uh, quite well. I had a little bit of, I know that, that uh, so far this season, and it goes all the way back to the end of last year, I'm so in the bag for Tiger. Uh, my appetite for seeing him is obviously over the top, but it was very cool run up to, you know, him on the first tee. And my favorite thing about that event uh, that we, we were kind of deprived of with Tiger was they kept touting the possibility he was going to walk up to some walk up music. Because the yeah. Euro Tour is doing walk-up <laughs> music, right? Yeah, yeah. But he teed off on 10, so it didn't seem like they had the music uh, ready for 10. But I was sitting there with my uh, my Twitter. I was all ready to start throwing out <laughs> ideas for what his walk-up music might be. Wow. Yeah, That you know, uh, something about Tiger tells me he put the kibosh on that if he'd been off the first tee. Uh, I'm not sure uh, he, he's quite ready for that. I think he has a, enough on his mind right now as it is. Uh, well... It was a it was it was painful viewing. Uh, I think you'd agree, right? The uh, the body language, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a perfectly appropriate word. It was painful. It was painful yeah. for him. And he, you know, the after round reports are that he was not feeling pain, but instead was grimacing at the quality of game that he arrived with yeah. that day. I don't know. You you um, had a nice forum. I think it was on Saturday with uh, Charlie Reimer. And was it John Feinstein? Brandel, Brandel Shambly. Yeah. Oh, it was Brandel. Chair, that's right. Chairman of the uh, Tiger Woods Marching and Chowder Society, Brandel Shambly. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys kind of went through all the ins and outs, but the the footage that um, the Golf Channel was running while you guys were talking was vi- was slow-mo of Tiger taking swings. Mm-hmm. And the expression on his face, the grimace on his face, was not due to um, his disappointment with the quality of his swings. Yeah, I, I yeah, something. Uh, here's here's what I don't understand. Uh, so at Torrey Pines, we discussed pro am. He went thirty percent on the front nine because it was like 48, 47 degrees. Then the the back nine. When I walked with him, uh, I saw him hit one kind of goofy shot, and even that one was not that horrible because it was a hole everybody struggles with the tee shot on on the north course. And otherwise, he striped the ball. He he looked good. He looked comfortable. He was talking with his pro-am partner. His body language was great. Then, you know, the first two rounds, the body looked a little stiff. And the swing didn't look uh, the as free-flowing. And so, by all accounts, I spoke to a couple of the guys who went to Dubai, the writers, and same thing. Looked good in the pro-am. The footage we saw in the pro-am was good. He gets on the first tee, hits a, a snapper left, and and he just just looks dreadful physically. Um, he was engaged with his playing partners later in the round. 
he he got better as the round went on at the end and i'm so I, I, what i'm struggling with house is what is going on physically obviously mentally he, he's got tension he's nervous he's pressing there's this is there's a lot of pressure on him or he's putting it on himself so what is happening to his body that 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 has it essentially go into this sort of freeze up mode um it's an unusual thing. I, I don't. I can't think of a situation where where we've seen this before. But there's clearly it's some odd combination of the mental and the physical, obviously not not being right. And so I guess my point in that is that part of me thinks, well, that's actually kind of excitingly positive because this means this is just a matter of the nerves and getting the reps. Uh, and and kind of getting back in the flow and all that, and there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bad days and good days with the body. Then another part of me says, how has he gotten to this point of the comeback and still having that kind of uh, an odd reaction with his body and inconsistency with his body? And so I'm, I, I feel like there's there's a couple of different ways you can look at it, and uh, I, I'm I'm probably leaning towards obviously it's it's not encouraging, but I'm hopeful that I'm. I'm wrong. I'm hopeful that it's just a matter of getting out and and playing more. Yeah. Well, let me let me try this out on you because. And by I, the way, I, we're ignoring the that he the reason he withdrew the back spasms. We're just assuming that I, I assume <laughs> well, for look, argument's I, sake is we'll take his word for it. But yeah, look, here's, yeah, here's the the challenge. Here is to not treat every single one of these early tournaments as a referendum on the rest of his golf career. I mean, there's a real temptation to do so, right? Because well, uh, folks like me, at least, are are watching every sort of moment and wanting to know, okay, look, is this the the point where he's turned the corner? We're going to see him another ten or twelve times this season. You know, how how's his progress? Are we going to see the tiger that shot, you know, the sixty five down in the Bahamas? You know, what 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 are we going to get here? And the thing that I um, kind of wonder about as it relates specifically to this Dubai experience. I think there's a decent chance that he was slightly uncomfortable physically. He definitely knew he didn't have uh, uh, you know, a real competitive game. And they went to dinner after his round, uh, uh, you know, after his first round and took a look at the weather forecast for the next day. And woke up the next morning and took some swings, took his treatment and everything, and then just said, you know what? We got to pull the plug on this because there, it doesn't make any sense for me to hang around here to grind through uh, a round that might take eight hours over the course of the day because of the crazy winds that are coming in here so that I can miss the cut and then lose another two days back in the U.S., towards proper rehab under the proper um, supervision and guidance of uh, the folks, the professionals that he works with, and in the comforts of home. I think there's a decent chance they just he just pulled the parachute uh, in the overnight. And that's I think that's a legitimate answer to, to the questions. The problem is, one, he was paid a lot of money to be there, and he's somebody who for a long time prided himself in, in not missing cuts and in – uh, grinding it out and finishing and, and being great and all that. And there's a certain pride for pro golfers in not withdrawing. And I, I guess I'd be worried that he, I feel like he's gotten into a, a situation where 
as soon as he doesn't feel comfortable or he feels like there's uh, he's going to be embarrassed, he just he just withdraws, and that I guess would be the 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 issue we're facing here because it um, it's it's a, it's something that a lot of players do not like. They don't like when somebody withdraws and doesn't on them. Obviously, when somebody's hurt, they they understand it, but when you're at that level and there's a sense that somebody's pulling out because of the wind forecast, which I think was very legitimate. It was, it was bleak. Um, that still to me is odd in the sense that he's such a good wind player. And I guess I would just think the old tiger would have looked at that and said, well, uh, this is going to be a chance actually for me to make the cut. Cause it's going to be these ridiculous winds and I'll hit my stinger all day and, and guide it around and shoot 72. All these uh, young guys who aren't as smart and clever and creative, and really don't hit low shots. I mean, really outside of Ollie Snyder Jans, most of these guys just don't really like to hit a low ball uh, or have, or some of them don't even have the shot. Uh, and so somebody like him, that's an opportunity. And obviously whatever's going on with the body, it just didn't feel like that opportunity was there. So we don't know what's going to happen with the, the Genesis open coming up. Uh, the update today was that there is no update. So we'll just kind of, uh, wait and see i obviously we're very hopeful that he plays in la because it just would be a, a lot of fun and uh but you have some of the same issues there too cold mornings uh, all that all that nonsense we have rainy years so far the forecast looks superb uh so we'll uh keep our fingers crossed now that the forecast i haven't looked at pebble beach but i know i heard today <laughs> it was grotesque up there uh, i saw some little PR uh, stunt. They had to move indoors. Everybody had had their uh, Spalding rain hat on, uh, uh, the Spalding smell special, and, and they were all drenched. And um, but how how do you, we? I don't know if we 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 discussed. How do you feel about the AT and T National Pro Am? We're going to discuss it with our guest later on today, Herm Edwards, who's a, a Monterey native, but uh, and who loves pro. He loves playing pro ams, which is uh, which is cool in itself. Not everybody loves them, but but where do you uh, where do you fall on this event as as a uh, as helping the sport and and being something you want to watch. So, uh, very quick aside on the forecast: it's supposed to pour down rain Thursday, like buckets full, and oh, then nice. uh, also rain Friday, but not as 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 much. And I think clear out for the weekend. So, uh, as it relates to this tournament, we're in this mode now with um, CBS, and I and I hate to uh, be so negative, but. We, we, we have this uh, sort, sort of, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt history with the CBS golf broadcast it, at the end of January and through February, where they treat these events as something other than about the, the golf tournament. And this, this coming event is perhaps the, the most uh, widely d- derided by... Um, golf fans by folks that are interested in watching competitive golf, mainly because uh, CBS historically has seems to have treated it as though it's just a, a a venue, a forum to have you know celebrities come sit in the tent on seventeen, you know, make a few ha ha's. They happen to have a golf club in their hand, and it's a way to kind of pass a, a, the time on a on a Saturday afternoon and maybe we'll get you know sort of 10 golf shots in in an hour and a half uh worth of time. So I personally like watching golf for the for the golf so I hate it. Um but I I also sort of, you know, understand um where we are in the season 
and understand the the philosophy that CBS seems to have when it comes to showing these these early season um, tournaments. What do you think? You know, House, I, I have to defend CBS on one front. There's there's two elements, I think, with the coverage. The, the one is obviously the question of covering the golf tournament versus the celebrities. And I'm, I, I guess I've just watched it so long that I, and I preach variety on the PGA Tour. And I just like that one day out of the year, it's this kind of um, mass day for the celebrities and, and it gets people maybe tuning in who wouldn't otherwise tune in to see uh, somebody playing, see, take your pick, uh, Chris O'Donnell, uh, Clay Walker, you, you know, the, the on and on. I, I actually the the list. <laughs> yeah, I like to watch Justin so, Timberlake. He has game. Hey, yeah, and guess and and by the way, I mean that's a that's a huge draw. It's an amazing get, if you will, that he shows up there and is willing to embarrass himself because we know how cruel the game is. Uh, and and I always admire that about the celebrities that they know their swings are not attractive, and they put themselves on the line. Uh, and and I think that's admirable. And there are a lot of people who love seeing that. They love seeing great athletes um, in that situation. So I think that is great. I think the other issue though is one of is the approach to the coverage and the style of the coverage. And this is where I think it just was so obvious last week at the Waste Management Open that that CBS is very determined and they're very good at doing things the way they've done it for a very long time. I mean, literally, I was watching that event thinking this is they do this exactly the same way they did it 20 years ago, except there's high def, better graphics, track man and some different announcers. But otherwise, down to the timing, when the telecasts come on, the way the college basketball runs long, the things they say, uh, it's very, very staid and stale. And, and, and it's their thing, and they're proud of that. That's kind of the CBS sheen that they put on a lot of things. And it's just that when we talk about growing the game, we talk about getting new people into the sport uh, or even retaining people, I feel things like the way the telecast is brought to you uh, are so vital to to that more than spring break 2k 16 and uh grove first tee and all these things that the, the the other sports are, are are getting more progressive uh than than golf and the way they present things the use of drones the use of stats um the, the music i mean geez the music on the phoenix open house my god it's the biggest party of the year and let's cue the yanni and go to commercial i just i wanted to scream like come on one week a year cbs let's let's cue some different music now they do at pebble beach they usually do cue some of the music up going to commercial of of one of the artists that we're we're watching and and in this case there's some of them are fairly relevant still so uh I think that's part of why people get so angered by it um, when they when they see that kind of pro-am Saturday and they feel like it's it's not respecting the golf. Of course, the other solution uh, that our that our, our friend Jeff Newbarth has, has uh, mentioned to us, uh, it's very simple. You could also have an, an alternate broadcast that's just the PGA Tour event on on CBS Sportsnet or or Golf Channel or wherever. I, but I guarantee you. Not that my view is not that many people will watch, but it would at least uh, uh, get them in a in a place where they can't be criticized for ignoring the pros. I just yeah, I don't know why people can't deal with one day a year saying goodbye to the pros and 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 enjoying these celebrities and then getting back to the the, the serious business on Sunday. 
So the only thing that I would say about um, the very good suggestion by our pal in terms of having split broadcasts and letting folks who are real golf fans catch the golf, uh, a, a golf-focused um, broadcast is we don't get to see these courses. You know, I'm on the East Coast. I don't get to see these courses, um, but but the, the once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like very much, you know, getting the feel for what um, the the – those places are, are all about each each uh, on kind of an annual basis, and you don't really get a, a, a flavor for it except for um, the Sunday broadcast when it's it's really focused on the golf. Um, and so I I you know if I could get two days of of Pebble uh, and then intersperse it with a little bit of Monterey Peninsula and Spyglass and actually get a feel for what those layouts are about and how guys are strategizing and how they're playing it. Uh, that's appealing to me, um, but I understand your point. the The big draw is uh, is is Ray Romano and and Bill Murray and Justin Timberlake, and I I get the the point you're making um, on why that that's a uh, once a year that that makes some some good sense. But see, I would say then what you just pointed out again gets back to a production question, and you know the 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 use of drones. I mean, there's there's no place in the world more made for a drone flying in and out of cypress trees and giving you the scale of the cliffs and coming up from the cliffs. And, and by the way, CBS has some amazing drone footage. And you see like these little snippets going to commercial. You're like, no, 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 I want I want more of that. Let's get into the golf course. Let's let's uh, you know, and, and they used to have features with Bob Drum. Uh, you know, we hear about the parties at night, the the, the camaraderie. Um, and you know, a live television interview, just, it's tough for those people to kind of capture some of the stuff that goes on and, and maybe it's just impossible to do that. Uh, and there's also how the kind of the fine line where how, how much do people really want to know about how much fun these rich guys are having, uh, at the lodge every night. Some of that could come off the wrong way. Like, like when Jim Nance used to refer to uh, the every CEO in the field as Mr. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so. And then the athletes would be, ah, oh, there's Bill Belichick or there's Herm Edwards. But, you know, it was, it was uh, for, for the CEOs, it was always Mr. Like his, uh, he was just too special. You know, Randall Stevenson, the, uh, who was, you know, the host for the week as the AT&T CEO. But it came off so poorly. So it's, it's I don't envy them because there are a lot of things that are that are tricky about the event. But I think that, when you combine um, some of the feelings that some people just have for not wanting to see these celebrities and and then the, the production being just almost like following the playbook from the past, that it leads to this sort of tension. Um, uh, that said, we uh, and before we get to Herm Edwards, we have to cover one other thing. We have some we have some golfers who are playing pretty well going into the Masters. And I feel like this week, then Riviera, then the Honda, this three week stretch is vital to kind of uh, our lead up to the masters and, and seeing who is, who is trending in the right direction. And I don't think there's really any doubt who is trending uh, the best by far in terms of uh, Augusta national. And that's Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, anybody else uh, exciting you even close to uh, on his level? Uh, I mean, I, I, I could make a case that, that Jordan Spieth is, is positioning himself very nicely and not peaking too early, um, but I don't know. There's also well, you, a kind of a there's a there's. I mean, you also don't know how much a, a golfer can really control how much they peak. It's a weird you, game that way. 
you beat me to the punch. Jordan Spieth was going to be the guy that I uh, I mentioned. He hasn't um, finished outside the top 10 yeah. yet this season. And I think we um, now have enough evidence uh, when we see him. And, and I like him, by the way, for this week. Um, he has uh, four four good performances um, you know, in the years that he's participated in this event. Um, but, you know, we... Until uh, you know, demonstrated otherwise, you 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 pick against Jordan Spieth at Augusta um, at at your own peril. Um, but I I I like to think about the world in terms of um, capital allocation and risk. And so obviously, uh, Hideki and Spieth are are not going to be guys that I'm going to touch with a ten foot pole because their odds um, stink. Yeah, yeah. Spieth right now is eight and a half to one. Hideki's twelve to one. I'm down here in the forty to one territory. That's where I think I'm going to start this year. Uh, I like John Rahm quite a bit at forty to one. These yeah. these early days here, I th- he's been. Um, really relentless so far this season. I mean, we got to sing his praises after his Tory performance. I expect uh, another great performance this week. Um, and I also, there's a guy who we haven't seen yet because uh, he's been playing Euro events, um, but he left made such an impression on me at the Ryder Cup last year. Thomas Peters, yeah, yeah. at the moment... Uh, by the odds I'm looking at, 60 to 1. Good. Yeah, I figured he'd start kind of shifting back in the other direction as people forgot about him. That's so good. That, that's that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. No, he definitely has a chance to do what Willett did last year. And he's starting to – he looked like he in Dubai, he, he he's, you know, the nobody senses he's uh, had taken the, the, the offseason and, and messed around uh, – uh, Pete Cowan gave an interview recently to, to Golf Digest and just sang his praises again about what a player he sees him uh, becoming and already is, frankly, after what he did last year. And uh, that's a that's a nice price on him. Um, Sergio, where's Sergio? Did you did you? Know? <laughs> I feel like Sergio's a a Quail Hollow PGA Championship type favorite uh but if he starts kind of playing well and contending i'm just struggling with him on the greens at augusta national it's, it's just the well, vision i have too many visions of of missed putts there and and bad moments yeah. Yeah. that's because you've seen him struggle on those greens yeah he 45 to 1 for sergio it actually feels like a pretty decent price in view of um the performance he had in, in dubai that was a pretty good performance pretty impressive on the back nine he put uh his foot on the pedal and kept it there. Uh, and Stenson did put some some pressure on him. Stenson was within a stroke um, as they made the turn. But Sergio, uh, he was either on 12 or 13. I don't remember the par three that he stuck it. And uh, Stenson bogeyed, and that was the tournament. Yeah. Well, I, I just love these next two weeks for two reasons. One, they're two, two of the best courses on the PGA Tour, uh, Pebble Beach and Riviera. And then, of course, they also play Monterey Shore, uh, and spyglass in the in the in the AT and T, but I think that these two pieces of architecture, the strategy involved, and then the the difficulty of the greens. It's a different kind of difficulty than Augusta, but they're they're quick enough. Um, you know, they're POA, and so they're a little bumpier. And then the AT and T Pro Am, you've got amateurs walking on the greens. The, the the hole stays in the same spot for three days in a row, and they can get a little raw by that third day. But I think that. The mental toughness, the the nerve, whatever you want to call it, and dealing with those greens there, and then the Poa Riviera, which is usually 
beautiful. In the last few years, it's just been amazing. But they're quick. Um, the combination of architecture, putting, speed, all that kind of stuff. These two w- events are just so big for kind of telling you who's who's really, I think, to watch on the radar for the Masters. And I think that's why Phil has added Riviera. I think he finally, in which I wish he would have asked, I would have told him that going to play the Honda uh, is not a place for him to go and get confidence. He's a West Coast guy. He builds his confidence on the West Coast swing. And so he's added Riviera, and I, I, I love his chances at Riviera this year. I feel like his, his, his driver is uh, the only thing holding him back, and it's really not even that important to his game compared to the, the short game. And he's got that dialed in. He's going to get the driver just the way he wants it uh, by Augusta or maybe even sooner. And I feel like he's, he's going to be tough the next couple of weeks. And uh, his spirits are just, just seem like they're so good. Um, and, and, and shout out to our friend, Alan Shipnuck, uh, who we're going to have on the show this year. He has a great pod with Phil. I also, I don't know if you've listened to it, but uh, a lot of interesting revelations uh, about just Phil's career, uh, on Alan's new vertical, the knockdown. So, um, worth checking out and uh, worth watching Phil the next couple of weeks. Uh, anything else you want to add before we get to Herm Edwards? Well, I, I, it's no coincidence that, that you would, uh, you know, lay out your reverence for these, these, these uh, West, the last two events here on the West Coast tour oh. and uh, West Coast swing, and and you're the, uh, you know, the beautiful architecture and all the rest of it. We, our own selves, on the CallawayGolf.com website in that community, uh, have a page, the Shack House Central page, and you and I are going back and forth. It will be up when this podcast drops. I extol the virtues of the Florida swing, yeah. and you uh, do the best you can to tell folks oh, why the West the, the West Coast swing ma- oh. why the West Coast swing matters. Yeah, uh, but everybody will get a chance to check it out. Go on to callawaygolf.com slash community, and you get to see the arguments that we make there. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to defend the West Coast swing. It's the best part of the year, anyway. We won't we won't go there. So, uh, all right. Before we get to Herm Edwards, uh, just a quick break to talk about what else house but the ball that changed the ball. Uh, You may not believe me, but there are still golfers out there that have never even tried Callaway's Chrome Soft. To those golfers, I say, what is wrong with you? Look at the price. Look at the softness. The distance, the feel, the whole thing. The best players in the world are changing the Chrome Soft to get better. It's extremely fast, incredibly soft, unbelievably easy to control. And if you have trouble with your short game, get the TruVis. The ball looks twice as big. It's the most amazing thing ever. You can get the TruVis, the Chrome Soft, at your golf shop. It's awesome. It's the ball that Phil Mickelson uses to hit that signature high softy. It's the ball Patrick Reed uses to win Ryder Cup matches. And it's a ball that Mr. 58, Jim Furyk, shot 58 with. Yeah, so the uh, Chrome Soft and the new Chrome Soft X are in stores now. Go to CallawayGolf.com to learn more. Uh, it's the ball that changed the ball. And also don't forget that uh, that great Truvis, which I love and uh, have got. Uh, that's all I got in the bag house. So anyway, uh, more importantly, let's get to our guest. Uh, he's a former NFL player and coach. He's been an analyst with ESPN since 2009. He had a 10-year career as a cornerback with the Eagles, Rams, and Falcons followed by multiple coaching stints leading up to those head coaching jobs with the Chiefs and Jets. Uh, he's known for his game day terminology, uh, the Hermisms house. I know you love those. I know you love Coach. Are we ready to team up and talk a little golf and maybe a little Super Bowl with him? What do you think, House? 
Yeah, I'm ready to play to win the game, Jeff Shackelford. All right, let's get Herm Edwards on the phone and talk to the coach. We are very excited here on the Shack House. We have a fantastic guest for today. We're not just excited, we are fired up. None other than Coach Herm Edwards joining the Shack House. Hello, Coach. How you doing? I'm well. Uh, we had a good uh, end to our season, obviously, in the Super Bowl. You always want that game to be competitive and compelling. and It was all that and some. So um, mm. our season ended uh, on a good note, whether you were a Captain America fan or not. Uh, it was a great game to watch. <laughs> so that's the, the perfect lead-in for my first question, Coach. You have met uh, Callaway's own Harry Arnett, and you know Harry is an enormous Falcons fan, so I'm going to be very gentle here. I don't want to second-guess anything that's, that's going on, but I want your coach's perspective on a crucial juncture in the game. So Julio Jones makes that catch. we got about four and a half minutes left. The Falcons have the ball at the, the New England 23-yard line. And we know what happened. They moved backwards and, and put themselves out of field goal range. But I'm interested in your perspective, your coach's perspective, on what was going through the minds of Coach Quinn and Coach Shanahan, their thought process at that moment of the game. Well, obviously that moment of the game and, and all season, you know, this is a team that has scored over 500 points. They've been very aggressive. Uh, on the way they like to play football. Uh, somewhere along the line, though, this is where um, obviously the coach steps in and, and lets them know the situation of the game, knowing that the clock, uh, we're playing against the clock now because we are leading in the football game. And, um, you know, you have suggestions. And, and when when you, you know, signal to the coach the fact that, hey, look, um, we're, we're, we're in field goal range. I'd like to get it a little closer. Um, if we're going to throw a pass, if that has to be the way we go about it, I, I want uh, a quick pass. I want three-step drop. I don't want anything where the quarterback has to hold the ball because the key now is if we can score and get points on the board, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, um, they won't have enough possessions to catch us. But, you know, we're, we're all going back to that, to that one play, you know, and I get it, that one series of plays, but it was bigger than that. This game was way bigger than that. It really is. And I've always said in football games, more teams lose games than they win. And when you think about the dynamics of this game, it, for me, it started at halftime, actually. When you looked at the numbers, and it was 28 to, you know, 21 to 3, and I get it and you feel like you're in control of the game, I question this, that New England had 42 plays, Atlanta had 19. Mm. Two of their scores actually came off turnovers. So if I'm Bill Belichick and I walk into the locker room, I'm telling the defense, guys, you guys are playing great. You basically gave up one touchdown. Other than that, offensively, we're moving the ball. We just got to get some points on the board. So with that being said, I think the, the turning point for me in this game was in the third quarter with six minutes left. It was a fourth and three, and they decided Atlanta to rush three guys. And they were going to double Edelman, and they were going to double, obviously, uh, White running back because that's where the passes were going. Well, as you know, Amendola catches the ball on a fourth and three, makes a first down, 
And from that point on, they went five possessions and scored every time. When you look at this game, we can break it down a lot of different ways. This game reminds me of the national championship game, to be quite honest. In that game, Clemson had over 96 plays. In this game, in this game alone, Captain America had 93 plays of offense. The Atlanta Falcons had 46. Do the math. You give Captain America 93 plays, guess what? You're not going to beat him. All right, Coach. Now, that's a wonderful bit of analysis, but this is a golf podcast. We got you on to talk some golf. We we, we thank you yeah, so much for that. Are you guys at Pebble right now? No, we're not. We're all over the place. So now the question is, are you are you getting back to Pebble? No, I'm not getting back to Pebble because generally I play in this deal with Daily. Right. But I'm in studio, I'm in studio this week, so – uh, I talked to my wife today, and obviously she's saying it's raining, and I'm saying that's yeah. never good. It's raining. No. But uh, I tell you what, this is a great tournament, this, uh, this AT&T deal. A good friend of mine is on, on, you know, runs it to Steve John. So hopefully this rain will clear up and these guys will get to play some good golf. So tell us a little bit. I think people would, would be curious to know how you got into golf because you're a Monterey resident. And yet you didn't really play. You used to, is that correct? You used to run on the golf courses and, and yeah. kind of work out and, and that's kind of, but yeah. you didn't, you didn't get tempted by the game doing that. Did you? No, I was, uh, I was, you know, I grew up in Seaside and I, the only thing I knew about it was golf course. They were nice to run on because it was always level ground. And I was fortunate enough growing up on the peninsula. They used to let me work out there. And then finally, probably when I was, I don't know, I think when I was with the Eagles, actually, um, and it was the AT&T, they asked me, would you like to play in this golf tournament? I said, sure, golf, yeah. And you're being an athlete, you think you know what you're doing. You say, yeah, I play golf. I never had a golf. never took a round. I mean, never took a practice round playing golf. Didn't even have any golf clubs, by the way. And so my first first experience was playing in AT&T, and this was way back, excuse me, the Crosby, and this is way back when they actually used to play at Cypress Point. Um, they used to play at, uh, obviously, you know, Pebble and Spyglass. So guess who I was paired with the first time I ever played in a golf tournament? Ooh. It was Peter Senior. It was Peter wow. Senior. Wow. Wow. And he was just coming on the tour as a rookie, Peter Senior. <laughs> good friend. He, he's become a good friend. And so we get on the first tee at Cypress and you know, guy gave I had some guy went and got some clubs. I can remember he had got some golf clubs, and all I had was irons in my bag. You know, because I was a pretty strong lad, and I could hit irons, so I just used irons. And so we got past the first hole, which is that nice par four. Then we got to the par, we got to the par five. It kind of twists along, and then a little par three. Then we get to the next par four. You know, and the first thing I realized about this golf thing, I said, "Boy, you wait a lot." You wait a long time to get the ball. I said, that's not good. You know, I'm a defensive back, man. Things happen within three seconds, and you got to go, you know, then you got to play again. <laughs> and so we're waiting on the fourth hole, and there's this guy in front of us. I don't know who he is, and he's walking back and forth like he's walking up and he's taking measurements. And I asked Peter, I said, man, why, you want me to hit one down on this guy and tell him to hurry up? And he said, no, no, don't do that. He says, you can't do that. I'm going, really? And I said, who is that guy? Bernard Langer. Oh. <laughs> Bernard Langer. Wow. We know this story, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, 
Yeah, so it was we. I had a great time with him, and uh, you know, and he was a rookie on the tour. And I remember he was from Australia, and uh, I saw him again two years ago when they, um, you know, they have the senior thing there with the kids. Um, right, the first tee open, yeah, yeah at, at Pebble Beach, yeah, and uh, the first tee open, and um, he was playing with a group, and I was putting some balls, and I would, and I had kept up with him, and I was wondering. If he remembered me, and sure enough, he runs over there. I still got your picture. I've been watching you, Coach, and we had a great <laughs> we had a great conversation. And I haven't seen him almost in twenty years. You know, wow, that's great. So, Coach, you're you're kind of an old vet when it comes to these these proams. I was going to ask you, you, you know, you're an NFL player, NFL coach. You're on TV. And you're standing on the first tee at one of these pro am events. Which, which of those uh, of the, all of those uh, pursuits is the most nerve wracking for you? Oh, ain't no doubt. It's about trying to hit a golf ball because you know everything goes <laughs> silent. And in the world, and in the world I live in, everything's loud. So I, I fixed that right away. When I get on the first tee, you know they they announce your name. I tell them folks, hey. Let's make some noise. I want to hear it. <laughs> and as they start hollering, I hit it as fast as I can to get off that first tee, man. <laughs> Coach, you know, on that topic, a lot of athletes uh, admire golfers. And I- yeah. I've always wondered what it is that they're drawn to, what what attributes about golf. Obviously, the, forget the recreational part, but just the, the admiration they have for pro golfers. Is it because it's so different? from what they do that it that they admire that they're able to deal with all these things because it's slow because you have so much time to think about what could go wrong is that uh i mean what is it that athletes love about golfers Uh, i i I think all athletes have one thing in common there's this mental toughness you have and 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 in golf you know it's a mental game it really is and i think the thing we we really admire in these guys on the fact that, first of all, uh, they're very cordial when they play in these pro amps. That's the first <laughs> thing I've learned about. They've seen more bad shots in the history of golf than anybody. <laughs> and, you know, they're they're very they're very gracious. Um, they abide the rules. You know, there's great sportsmanship uh, along with competing against each other. Uh, and I, you know, when you when you watch them play. And it's, I think, any athlete, any sport, the real good ones, they make it look easy. They really Mm. do. And I think as an athlete from another sport, you realize how hard this thing really is. You know, and we all think we're, you know, athletes always say, well, I can play golf. I tell you what, the hardest game I ever try to to play. And (laughs) and I've always said this, you know, that ball sits there and it doesn't even move. It's not like playing baseball or basketball or football and chaos. The ball just actually sits there. And everybody gets real quiet, and they say, go ahead. And the ball looks at you and says, go ahead, hit me. Where you want to hit me? You know, and it's a game of, obviously, mental toughness in the fact that when you hit it, you got to go find it, and you got to go hit it again, and eventually you got to put it in the hole. And I figured this thing out, you know, as I started playing. I said, look, I'm going to figure this golf game out. It ain't that difficult. So what I generally do, I take two balls, you know, and I have one in my pocket. And when I'm playing, you know, not in pro-ams or anything like that, but when I'm playing with the guys, my partners, because we're just playing to have fun, I talk to the ball. I actually talk to it. And I tell him before I hit him, I said, look, 
Now, if you want to run off and go jump in the water or get lost, I got this other guy in my pocket that wants to play, and I'm going to put him in the game next. <laughs> and how's that working for you? Yeah, how's he listen? It works pretty good because sometimes the ball listens says, no, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to want to play with you for a while. As soon as he gets lost somewhere, I put that other one in play and say, come on, man, you can play this round. <laughs> Uh, coach you have uh two daughters i believe is that right yes i do yeah and and uh are they golfers well yeah i got them playing a little bit they kind of do everything they're swimmers or golfers uh they actually play with a couple girls that are really good golfers i mean really good one of them actually is um um helping out at at the at&t uh this week oh very cool yeah and she's really good i mean she's gonna She's going to go to probably get a scholarship. I mean, she's she's going to be that good. I think and she's only 11 years old right now, but you can just kind of tell. Wow. You know, she's going to be. She's way above my daughters. I mean, golf is her her her, her mission in life, and she's focused wow. on it. She plays golf. I mean, well, my daughters play around with her, and uh, but she's really good, <laughs> really good. Now, w- what age did you start your girls uh, put the clubs in their hands? You know, I, I, about three years ago. And they're kind of in and out. You know, they're not consistent with it, but they like it. And it's a way, you know, we live out in California. We live out in Carmel. And uh, we live at, we live in Tehama. We're, we're Clint's place up there. And there's a nice golf course there that we're members of. And I'll take them up there, boy, and it's a hoop. You know, their big deal when I when they first started golfing, the only reason they wanted to golf is they wanted to drive a golf cart. You know, <laughs> you know, kids, they want to drive the car. Yeah. I said, no, no, no. Yeah. You can't drive the car. You have to hit the ball first. So I made him a deal. I said, if you can tee off and hit the ball, you get to drive the car for a little while. So that was kind of my, uh, my, 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 uh, my situation with him. I said, if you, when you start hitting the ball, but, you know, it's like anything else. It's a game where you, it, 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 in all sports this way, you, the time you put in is what you're going to get out. And golf is one of those games you have to practice this game. Now you mentioned Tahama. You, Cliff Clint Eastwood developed that. Do you do you uh, see him there a lot? Do you, have you played much golf with him there? And because he's he still obviously he very involved in the pro am too this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it will, yeah, it's his deal. And I see him when I come home. You know, every once in a while, I'm in and out so much, but I see him. We always have a nice conversation. I met Clint in 1980, and he's an avid golfer. Obviously, um, he has some guys he plays golf with all the time. And, uh, He's a big football fan, so he always wants to know what's going on in football. He was a Raider fan, obviously, and it's uh, kind of interesting. But um, he developed quite a place up there. It's a wonderful place. Uh, there's great members up there, and uh, you know, there's good people in the neighborhood. So it's a fun place to live. Is he fun to play golf with? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, he he's fast. He plays fast. He don't mess around. <laughs> Mm. He hits it and go, man. He don't, he don't mess. He, he's not one of those guys who wants to hang out there for four hours. Now he hits it and go. So speaking of playing with uh, celebrities, we know you're a veteran of these these proams. Is there anybody yeah. out there that uh, you haven't yet played with that that you wish you, you you get a chance to play with? Well, you know, I met Tiger quite uh, you know a while back, and uh, I haven't played with him. Had an opportunity to play with him uh, in uh, in Scottsdale, but I couldn't because I was working. So him and Marcus played out there uh, when he was just coming back in, in the um, you know in the one they have out in Arizona. Obviously, he just played last week, and um, I was fortunate enough when he just came back from from you know when he got back uh, in the, the last U.S. Open in Pebble Beach. He um, he was out there, and ESPN was covering it. And I actually, I actually walked with him, you know, and uh, for one of the rounds he had. And boy, I tell you what, now he is unbelievable. He, he can 
ball, and it was him, Ernie Els, and it was, um, uh, boy, it was him, Ernie Els, and uh, Lee Westwood, I think, that played together that round. And it was just fun walking inside the ropes watching those guys hit golf balls. I mean, it's just, you know, and it was just like unbelievable how far they could hit it, the control they have of it. But all these guys are really good. And, and you know, they, I mean, they're really good players. People don't realize how good they are. Uh, all right, Coach, last question. Uh, we, we like to be sort of a matchmaking service, potentially, depending on the answer. But is there one golf course on your bucket list that you have not played that you, you want to play? You know what? I'm one of those guys where I've been very fortunate in my lifetime uh, through sports, uh, through the people I've met. Uh, they've been very kind to me, and I've been invited to, to some, some places where I thought in my lifetime I would never be here to play. So I've, I've, I've you know, I've, I've gotten all of them pretty good now. I've been around. I, I, wow. I, you know, I, take, I get my opportunities. <laughs> I get my opportunities, and when I go, when I'm invited, I show up. You know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So, I, you know, and, I, and, and I, you know me, it's like I don't start really playing golf until now. You know, I'm gonna, I got a lot about a three about a three month window, four month window, yeah. and then I shut it down. You know, like my first event will probably be now the one that I'll play in. I not this year in AT and T because I'm working, but I'm playing in the Houston Open. I played in that one. Um, that's always a fun one to play in. And I'm going to go play up in, um, obviously, in Tahoe. I've been up there for 11 years straight now. And, that, and that's really a nice nice one up there, the American Century. They, they, they do a great job as well. But that's a couple of the tournaments I generally play in every year. You know, AT&T kind of hit and miss depending on how my schedule is. But uh, I love it. I love being around the guys. You know, it's funny being around golfers, the pro golfers, because the first thing they want to talk is football. You know, they don't want to talk golf. They want to talk football. Nah. Two years ago, when yeah, two years ago, so you'll appreciate this, and I'll let you go. So we're it was me and and uh, Daly and uh, and Chris Berman is playing with um, uh, I forget his name now, but and Phil and those guys, and it was the rain. It rained on us, so we got one hole in. So we're at Monterey Peninsula Country Club, and so we pull off in there and we go into the shop. You know, we go into the uh, uh, to the restaurant there. And it's raining, so we got to wait. So it's Chris Berman and myself, and we sit down, and we start talking football, and we're telling stories. And we must have sat there for 45 minutes, and we got Phil and all the guys around the table, and we are just telling stories, and them guys are asking questions, and it's almost just like an interview session. And we're going back and forth, bannering. Guy comes in, he says, okay. We'd go back out, and all the pros said, no, we want to sit here and listen to some more stories. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, Coach. Thanks so much. We're, we're, our condolences to you for not being able to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but at least you got a, an awesome Super Bowl to analyze and talk about. And uh, we wish you the best of the luck with your, your golf in the uh, the coming months. Okay. Anytime you guys need me, let me know because I'm always around. Love All you, right. Coach. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Okay, guys. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. All right. Well, we thank uh, Coach again for, for taking a little time away from the post-Super Bowl analysis and joining us. Uh, and we do sympathize with his plight, getting to miss a, a pro-am in his hometown this year. But uh, you'll get to see him at a pro-am near you, it sounds like, how so? <laughs> I know. Uh, he, he doesn't man. miss them. The man loves playing pro-ams. I just love that. That's awesome. Um, hey, last word from our uh, our good, good friends at Odyssey, uh, the number one putter in golf. I don't know if you've been hearing about it, but you know when it comes to putting, the best players in the world generate 
topspin at impact, and that is the big differentiator between pros and amateur golfers on the green. So unlike a tour pro who has all day to perfect their putting strokes, regular guys like us don't have all day to work on our putting or go hang out at the store and try to find the absolute perfect putter. So, of course, Odyssey is here to help us compensate for that lack of forward roll with their new O-Works putters featuring the micro hinge insert that dynamically generates immediate topspin and impact regardless of how terrible your putting stroke is. And I got to tell you, it is the softest feeling putter I have ever tried. It is so incredible. And everybody I've been sharing mine with to uh, try comes away feeling the same thing. I heard the same thing, too. They had them at the PGA show. and People went uh, went nuts, at least the people I know who were there. Of course, Phil Mickelson was the one who uh, brought it out at the Ryder Cup. And now it's uh, spreading like wildfire on the PGA Tour. The new O-Works Micro Hinge Insert from Odyssey. It's now available for pre-sale in-house February 17th. They finally get into the stores for people to try them. And I know the minute they try them, they're going to like them. Because if you like a soft face on your putter, you will be in heaven. Uh, We thank our guest, Herm Edwards, again today, House. We got uh, hopefully decent weather for most of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And it uh, should be a good week of PGA Tour golf and uh, other fun stuff going on in the golf world that we're tracking. Anything else you want to add? Well, I'm psyched for a week off for Tiger. That's the thing I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm most excited about this week. He's taking the week off. He's getting his, his body right, his mind right. I and when we, so. co- connect, when we connect next week for next week's check out, we'll be talking about another Tiger preview at Riviera, which is going to be really cool. All right. We'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.